1: Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply.
0: Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa
2: from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hey, I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go, right? There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A.
0: Michael called
3: this world started on Venice Beach. Now he reaching the world, he'll make you laugh till your stomach hurts. Super fly, nice guy. And pray if you need to work while dressed to the nines. Come on, get ready for the star search winner. And OG three times. This ain't no beginner. Whether you in your house, you want your burger out to dinner. On your job, in your bar, turn it a Michael Call, yeah. Michael talks to everybody. Michael yeah. Michael talks to everybody. My, my, my call, yeah. Michael to everybody. My, my, my Call, yeah. Michael talks to everybody. You know what
4: Do, do, do. Michael talks to everybody. I love that. I love that. That theme music's off the chain. That's Tia P, y'all. And she's very becoming very famous here in Los Angeles. Uh, she's right. Raps to the New Coliseum they just built. Uh, there's a there's a, a woman's soccer league in LA. She wrote their theme music. This just can flow. Anyway, it's another beautiful day, y'all. And Michael talks to everybody and tries to talk about everything. Today, i want going to talk about suicide. Um, it's not a funny topic, you know, and I know people come right on. out this comedian, he about to joke about suicide. Well, if I find some funny shit. But I'm just saying, I'm not looking for that. I'm here really to talk about a serious topic. You know, recently we lost a gentleman. Uh, not, you know, it's so many young folks that we've lost recently to suicide. Matter of fact, teenagers, they're now like in, in they have suicide packs. Suicide clubs, you know uh, the military veterans—they kill themselves at an alarming rate every, every year, and so do the um, the emergency profession, uh, police, uh, hospital workers. These people, a lot of suicide is going down. It's was just—it wasn't a couple of months ago. I was saying we have to do a piece on this, you know, when we get the show up and running. And then the young man um, who was the uh, sidekick for Ellen. DJ Twitch uh killed himself and I'm like we got to stop for a moment. We got to say, "Oh, hold up. Let's put the brakes on this and let's look a little closer and see if we can have some idea as to why it's so prevalent. Is there any kind of way that we can help it? How we can guide people towards a way to save themselves. You know, um today I have a couple of guests with me. Uh my first guest is a, and she want to tell you what this is an LCSW because my somebody called me that once and I almost socked him in the head. You, who you calling a LCSW? You know, and and she's also a CCTP. Now you know somebody called you a CCT. Oh, you shit. Anyway, uh, Malaya Green works in the profession of mental health and she deals with such cases that deal with suicide. And I just think. She's going to be so good. I'll let, I'll let her tell you who she is. Ladies and gentlemen, get your hands together. If you, even if you're sitting there by yourself on the side of the bed, get them little fat, pudgy fingers together for the wonderful Malira Green.
1: Malaya Green, welcome. Welcome,
4: welcome, welcome. How are you?
3: I am doing wonderful. How are you?
4: I am supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Uh, we're here on this very serious topic today, and you're an expert in this arena, you know. So first of all, tell people who you are.
3: Absolutely. Well, my name is Melara Green, and I am a certified um, complex trauma professional. And certified. Yes, I'm certified. Um, and I function as a licensed clinical social worker. So that's what the LCSW mm. is. It's, it's not an infection, I promise. Oh, um, but,
4: wow. Not but like an STD.
3: A, yes. That's not so, like that. Okay. So as a social <laughs> worker on this license, I serve as a therapist. I'm a coach. Um, I do transformative mm-hmm. speaking. So I train people on how to thrive after their trauma. And a lot of the time. Ooh, say
4: that slower, please. Yeah. Say that slower. You teach people.
3: I teach people how to thrive after to thrive experiencing their after. trauma.
4: Right. So after they go through their stuff, you there to make sure they get back on the right track and get it together. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Go
3: ahead. Absolutely. Um, Because honestly, 90% of us have experienced some form, at least one experience that could be deemed as a trauma and it's not Mm. necessarily just sexual abuse or going to war or an accident. It can be those little small things where if your parents couldn't provide for you and you didn't have food one evening and you were really hungry, that memory can stay with you forever. So trauma is literally whatever stays with you and don't stay in the past. It comes with you in your present and your future. So that's what I help people is to normalize their trauma experiences for that them. That
4: would be the whoopings in my house. The whoopings in our mm-hmm. house was traumatic. I mean, we ain't, I still didn't get some. My last whooping I was 14 years old. I got it with an extension cord. Mm-hmm. Do you remember extension cords? Are you old enough to remember when the iron had an ironing cord that huh? that detached? You mm-hmm. remember that? Yeah. There's no reason on this planet to have a detachable cord for an iron except to whoop somebody's ass. There's no what, what are you going to plug it up to? You can't unplug the iron and put that on the computer. What you gonna do with it? Whoop, <laughs> man! I was fourteen years old. I'll never forget. I threw a cat in my brother's girlfriend's face, and the bad thing about that is, if a cat's thrown, he's got to grab hold of something, mm-hmm. and all he had to grab was the face. So anyway, my mama beat me till I did the watusi. I did the boogaloo. I did every dance. Okay, anyway, I'm sorry. Let's come back. This is very all right. Back to topic. So you you really are an expert in this field of people who are traumatized to the point where sometimes they have attempted to take their lives Mm -hmm. and you help them get it back on course. Okay. Mm -hmm. So tell me, you know, we, we, I just mentioned Twitch and they said he left, somebody just said he left a note, but even without a note, and we're not just talking about Twitch, but anyone who's taking themselves out and I'm talking about great people, Robin Williams, you know, who I just, I adored Robin Williams. I love him. Um, You know, uh, so, so many of these folks, Don Cornelius, so, tri- I mean, so many great people. And, and when you looked at them, you're like, wait a minute, looks like everything's going great in their life. Kate Spade, the fashion design uh, designer, as well as Alexander McQuinn, the fashion designer, you know, Naomi Judd. No, that's not correct. Naomi Judd, that's not oh. correct. No, that can't be correct. That was recent. Naomi Judd committed suicide. What? Please pull that up. I see. That's what I'm saying. It's happened so much. I didn't even realize that. And I know it had to be news, as big a star as she is. And I'd be on top of the news. I missed that one completely. Yes. Oh my god. Oh man. Friday, so she passed. Oh man, she killed herself with a gun. Whoa. Okay. Wow. What, what was, okay. What makes you feel that depressed, Melira? So, so depressed that you think it's the end of the world, you know, cause I, I maintain that no matter what happens, no matter how, how difficult things are, the greatest route is to get help
1: mm-hmm.
4: instead of trying to exit. Because the whole thing about that is if there is no do overs, in suicide. So if you do it and what happened five minutes later, shit changed.
1: Mm-hmm. Everything that's
4: was going on in your life just changed. What do you do now? <laughs> N- nothing. You can't. So, and, and, you know, that's why in the Catholic faith it's the biggest sin is suicide because you killed yourself. You can't ask for forgiveness, you mm-hmm. know. So what, what, what takes a person to that level of, of despair?
3: A lot of it is they want an option out. And the sad part about it is most people would look at the only person that should commit suicide if someone who don't have their basic needs met or they have that story. I tried everything mm-hmm. and it's just not working out. Mm-hmm. But that's not really the case. Suicide sometimes hide behind that smile of someone who's not able to share in a safe space. Me, too. I'm struggling, whether that's a mental struggle, whether that's an emotional struggle that can be a spiritual struggle We never really know what that person is struggling with. But the one biggest prevention to suicide is being able to say, I need help. I'm not doing okay. I Mm -hmm. don't understand. So when you're listing out these big names, imagine if they did come out on their platform and said, hey, I, I don't think I'm that happy. I don't think that I'm doing well enough. People mm-hmm. like myself that's trying to make it work, we going to look at you and be like, what you talking about? You got all the money in the world. You got all the right. things. So they're trying to hold up to an image and a standard that's not really true. And like I said, most people have dealt with the trauma, regardless if you want to deal with it or not. It does not go away. You stop developing the mm-hmm. moment that your trauma happens emotionally. So you can do as much as you want to do accomplish as much as you want to accomplish. But if I never actually deal with this story, that thing stands with me like a cancer to the point where I just need an out no matter how much I accomplish. I still have this gaping thing that is coming with me. And sometimes Mm. people don't even know what that thing is. So when we begin to actually have a conversation and check in on our emotions and know what those is check in with our thoughts and know that it's okay to say hey i'm not having a good day today that's what's going to prevent so many of these suicides because those people just feel like no matter what i do this thing keep riding me and i can't get rid of it and then that's their option i can get rid of it by officially getting rid of myself Then i don't have to think about it do nothing with it wow And that's typically what ends up happening is that I need to get out of here so mad because I've tried everything else. I've tried success. I've Mm. tried money. I've tried relationships. And I still can't fill this void. All right. Well, it's time for me to be finished. And typically that's what the mindset is. It's not about nothing else, but just this feeling Mm. of I need to escape. And that's their option.
4: Miss Green, thank you. That was so clear. I mean, that gave me a truly clear picture of what we're dealing with here i want to bring someone else in to join us uh john minus um he's got a master than something i don't know i have to let people come and tell you myself i probably should write it all down to act professional but no uh this brother told me though that he had an incident that he dealt with in his family and when i heard that incident i was like yeah you qualified to be on this show because this is what we're here to talk about welcome john minus welcome to the show brother hey john so, so first, tell me who who you are. What's your your degree is in? Talk
5: to me. Okay, so I sir, I'm John. Um, I have a master's in forensic psychology mm-hmm. because I originally wanted to do criminal psychology, but mm-hmm. after a while, I found out that being jail isn't fun, whether you work there or not. Wow! So I got out of that, mm. um, and right now I'm a mental health screener, which means I work in hospital emergency rooms and I see. Patients who have psychiatric complaints. So I've done hundreds and hundreds of psych screenings, mm-hmm. uh, especially and for everyone we use. Um, it's called a CC CSSR. So, it's a Columbia Suicide Severity. Uh, God, I, I'm terrible with acronyms and acronyms. You know, malaria. So it's
3: it's Columbia, Columbia Suicide the Severity X-ray.
5: Rating mm-hmm.
4: Scale. Uh, I'm sorry. Say it again, John. I'm sorry.
5: No, it's the Columbia, Columbia Suicide Severity Rating Scale. Wow. And we have to do it every... And I, I've done hundreds of them. Mm-hmm. So I've seen... The main part of my job is assessing dangerousness to self or others. And on top of that, my mother committed suicide when I was 22. And on top of that, I had I hospitalized myself twice for depression. So I've seen this from all angles.
4: Can can we speak about your mother's uh, suicide? Yeah. So twenty? How long ago? How many years ago was it? Twenty years? It
5: was. Um, I'm forty five now. So like, damn, 23 you years. old. Okay, I know. Twenty three years.
4: Twenty three years ago, and you were twenty two years old at the time.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: So did you find her?
5: Yep. Me and my brother. Wow. How
4: because... old was
5: How old was your brother at the time? We're we're all powers of ten apart. So he was thir- he was thirteen. I was twenty two, and she was forty three. My birthday hadn't come yet. Wow,
4: wow. So you found her and everything. So did she leave a
5: note? the so actually a lot of it's kind of blurry because um your brain mm. kind of edits things um mm. when you have when you have a trauma like that your brain kind of edits things for your own safety.
4: Well, Malaira is shaking her head yes when you say some of it's kind of blurry. And sometimes you edit things. What does that mean, Malaira?
3: So your brain is your natural best friend. So when you are experiencing any form of trauma, it does this thing to say, wait a minute, we don't like that. Let's get rid of that. Or we don't like that. Let's store it in our subconscious. So we still got to deal with it. But I don't want it to be something that you remember. So there's a lot of times when you have these experiences, your brain will block it out. So you will forget some of the details of it. Mm -hmm. And it's also called disassociation. So I don't want to actually be present to what happened. So brain says, if we don't want to be present, let me give you an escape. So then some of those memories aren't as clear as they were. And sometimes your brain can even make up parts of the story, too as well so it does what it feel like it needs to do to help you survive
4: wow yeah. hey john let me ask you how that's of course sad i know
5: sad and heartbroken
4: but how did it make you feel to more find than your anything, mother
5: yeah more than anything angry and that for angry. my life has kind of been defined by that since mm. um i have <laughs> i like to say um I really identify with the Hulk. One of my favorite the Hulk, of my favorite, uh, the of big my favorite, green guy, Hulk. Yeah.
4: All right, go ahead. One, go ahead.
5: One of my favorite um, quotes in all movies is uh, in Avengers when Cap say, "Hey, you know, Bruce, you might want to suit up." And he said, "That's my secret, Cap. I'm always angry." <laughs> oh, wow. And I am, and I, you know, I smile and like nobody knows, but like I am always angry. And that's the thing with oh, suicidal wow. people is that you don't. No, like no matter what they do what they what you see right what's inside is not going to be traveling because because like Melira, mm. Ma- i don't want to get malira Melira like, said uh-huh. like anthony bourdain like people say oh you have a great life but i just heard this an interview with an actress who said the more successful you are the less people want to hear your problems yeah <laughs> <laughs> But, and it wow. is, and it's that's true. true. But, that's absolutely yeah.
4: true. They don't give a damn. You got everything. Now you're going to complain. You know, so what? You got cancer. You know, you're rich. You could
5: probably buy cancer off. No. I had that too, but that's another story. Oh, you yeah. had
4: cancer as well. Yeah, but and, I'm fine. And, but you're still here. So, yeah. this is when we talk about the God aspect of it because you must have had to utilize. Your connectedness with God to make it through that, to get from anger, to get to acceptance, to get back to being okay with it.
5: You know, it's uh, it's ironic that um, that is why this the thing with my mother is why what drove me permanently away from religion. Because at the you're not
4: permanently the, away, but go here.
5: Well, I mean, I wasn't really religious beforehand. So, oh, OK, All but right. but um, at the funeral.
4: Wait, would you say you're spiritual? Not that either. Okay, voodoo, nigga?
5: voodoo. I—I I okay, mean, I was sorry. just in New Orleans, so I tried. Yeah. I—I um, no, I, um, at my mother's funeral, mm-hmm. I was thinking like it should be about her. And, you know, we're black, so we're like Baptist, right? 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 Um, nominally. Um, mm-hmm. and we have to church, and like at the in a minute, in the middle of my mother's funeral, the pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, starts going on and on about the religion and coming to church and stuff. And to me, it felt like he was taking focus away from my mother yeah. to the church to promote the church. Yeah, yeah, pastor. and that made me. You said angry in a way that you, made me angry in a way that I I don't think I'll ever get over. Wow! So, wow! So what the reason why I'm still here is. I mean you could say you can say like oh it's god who gave you the this you know that that keeps telling you not to like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm me religion isn't for me but I'm not going to but I'm not going to crap on people who are religious my because god. as a as a as a psychologist as a therapist you use whatever works if your faith got you through I'm not going to tell you oh well I don't believe like no that's not that's not my. that's not what you're supposed to be doing your job is to mm-hmm strengthen their su- their support system and if religion is their support system you encourage them to go to their religion you know so it doesn't matter what okay. i think about religion when it comes to the patient it's what that person believes
4: oh absolutely hey let's take a break everybody we gotta go and uh, talk to the man about a plan we'll be back in a few moments don't leave this is michael talked to everybody and apparently talked about everything see you in a minute
1: the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and
2: restrictions may apply. Hey, I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go, right? There's a host, a guest, and a light QA. On NPR's new podcast, Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's part existential deep dive and part game show. I ask actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to ask some of life's biggest questions. Listen to NPR's Wildcard on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: And we're black. I mean we're back. It's Michael Talks to everybody here at iHeartRadio and tell your friends and them. They can get this show very easily. All they got to do is go wherever they get their podcast from or just go directly to iHeart and download the podcast. Michael Talks to everybody. You can talk to us three new shows. Every week for 50 weeks, y'all, we're going to be talking about all kinds of stuff. And I'm not going to run out of stuff to talk about. And I'm not going to run out of people to talk about it. So please keep looking because I got stars. I got superstars. Then I got ordinary people with extraordinary circumstances. Oh, it's going to be off the chain. Make sure you hang out with me because I got time for you. Make time for me. Let's talk about it. Hey, and coming back to this topic about suicide, which I'm telling you, just just, just breaks my heart. You know, especially the young people. When I see teenagers and kids committing suicide, that 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 killed me dead. But then really, I'm hurt when I see anyone who looks like they were doing really good commit suicide. I think it's because it's the surprise of it, the shock of it all, that this person, what was going on in their life that was so bad. You know, well then again, I'm still struggling with the Dave Chappelle giving up the $50 million. Uh, and one of the reasons was because it was too much stress. You know, they're trying to stress him out and let him not let him do what he wanted to do. I don't know the real story. I just know what the different things people said. And first of all, if you got fifty million dollars, okay, you should have no stress. Okay. What you do with that is you take five million and you pay another nigga to have stress for you. Okay, no other forty-five you go shopping. Um, so I don't really get so stressed that I have to change like that, but that's me. And I don't want nobody out there thinking it because some people say they're okay. That means you don't have a right to not be okay. You still got a right to be to not be okay. You What happens in your life, what traumatizes you, we may not even know about. So although I'm do die, zippity-day, I know there's people out there hurting, and people hurting to the point where they they want to take themselves out. And even at a young age, I want to come back to my Lyra right here and say, Ms. Green, can you just tell them about your Uh, your experience with uh, an attempt?
3: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, So I became a therapist because I needed a therapist. Um, My first thought of suicide was when I was 13 years old Mm -hmm. and I was told that I was obese, right? And I didn't know what the heck that was, but it didn't feel good to me. So Mm -hmm. since then there was this space of, I didn't feel valuable, but then I also had other traumas. So being exposed to sexual things at three My body, not me liking that. So me trying to do all other things. So when Mm. I was 17, it got to the point where I was a freshman in college and I was just tired of trying to prove my worth to so many people. And it still Mm. kept like I was failing. So I remember it being wintertime. It was right there at the cusp of you could still kind of go to the beach, but don't go sit at the beach. It was one of those nights. Okay. And I came home and I had an argument with my parents. And it was at that moment that the thoughts from 13 years old to 17 of I just don't want to be here anymore became I can't be here anymore. Mm. So it wasn't something that happened overnight. It was a buildup of many different moments of me not feeling valuable Me not feeling worthy. Mm -hmm. And I remember being so upset. I put whatever I could in this container and before I could complete it, my dad knocked down the door. And I remember like looking in the mirror, boohoo crying. And I said, you know what? There's a reason why I still have life and I don't want nobody else to ever get to a point where they don't feel valuable enough that they're going to take their lives. Mm. And although I'm not a celebrity growing up, my family was that family. So everybody looked at us as we had everything together. Um, people would come to our house. We were people refuge. But while everybody was benefiting from our family, I was slowly dying on the inside. Wow. So to be that person that was just like, yo, well, since y'all don't see me, don't worry about it. When I'm gone, y'all not going to care but I'm so grateful now that it didn't happen. And I'm so grateful now that I'm able to turn some of my stories, some of my pain, to not just be this expert with a bunch of credentials behind my name, but being someone to say, hey, every day I still deal with suicidal ideations. Like just because I'm a therapist didn't take away my PTSD and didn't take away my depression and didn't take away none of that. I just every day choose to do better be better and share with people some of the things that I've learned over the years that keep me alive and keep me going.
4: Wow. Wow. That's beautiful. You're I think you're more than a survivor though. You know? You you've taken what you've survived and using it now as a tool to help other people. And that is amazing, amazing stuff. So you were told you were obese. Were you obese?
3: I was. I, you I never I was. saw
4: a biscuit you didn't like? <laughs>
3: Listen, so it's funny because it's it's a part of my trauma, too. So kind of growing up, like I said, I've had like the sexual trauma since I was three. So that's what play was. Then I had a younger brother who didn't like to eat until he was like nine years old. So because I was the older sibling, it's like, well, if he ain't gonna eat it, you eat it. So it built this thing of well, I don't get full because I'm basically the garbage can for my brother. So it created these unhealthy patterns for me.
0: Right, right. And then I
3: have family members who are obese on both sides of my family because we from the South. So we going to cook and everything you ain't supposed to be cooking. Pork.
4: With yeah. But,
3: so I grew up in that space and then also having those different self-esteem issues and things like that. It contributed more to food becoming my best friend my parent, my everything, because if anything happened, I wasn't just emotional eating. Mm-hmm. I ate anytime the emotion changed. So when I was happy, wow. I ate sad, I ate excited, I ate. So it really contributed to that space, which also impacted some of my mental health and things like that. And that's when I started kind of doing those PHQ-9s and those Columbia uh, surveys and things like that, because I didn't see my worth. And a lot of it, that's where it stems from. It's not just your traumas, It's the lack of worth that impacts your thoughts, which creates that suicidal thinking pattern of Mm -hmm. I'm not worthy (laughs) enough to have the breath in my body. So I might as well take it away.
4: So. So so how how long did it take you to get back yourself?
3: It's still a work in progress, my friend. That's what I tell people. Every morning, I literally choose to be a better version of myself. And I go see my therapist every Friday. Matter of fact, I just saw her at 10 o'clock. I make sure that I'm reading books. Um, I'm making sure that I'm not afraid to make relationships with people. I'm constantly trying to build those connections because you're only as successful as the people that you surround yourself with in the books that you read. So for me, that's literally what I do. So I have been able to allow for some of my my experiences I share with people on a daily basis. So I'll share on Facebook, look, this is what God gave me today to push through this hard moment. You know, Mm -hmm. parenthood is real hood. And I don't know about the parent part. So like being able to like Mm -hmm. utilize my transparency and my struggles, that's what keeps me alive on a daily basis. So then when I'm meeting my clients, they don't think I'm just this girl to just put in all these terminologies and things out. Like they're like, oh no, she's actively Doing the same thing. So it's kind of like the thorn in my side, I believe, right. that allows for me to really help people because I too am walking through that journey and that process.
4: So we, we got a lot of things that draw us or, or lead us to that area of depression that makes us want to take ourselves out. And it could be from something as simple as the way people talk about how you look, they just talk mm-hmm. about your obesity. And uh, uh, some people might think that's something light. That's nothing. Even, who would care about a thing like that? But for teenagers, yeah.
1: that's everything.
4: That their, their peers are everything. You never know what the trigger is. You know, you got these people who are going in and shooting up schools and stuff. You see, in almost every case, they also shoot themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, so they really was on a suicide mission in the first place. And if the police hadn't done it for them, they would not do it for themselves. The thing that's so striking is they're young people, so many young people, which to me sort of says a lot of hope is gone from our society. We're not encouraging the youth to think of a greater day, to think of what you're going to do when you come up. They're not getting that information from us. They're just getting information that draws them near things that they can purchase. So that's the only information they really is sent out. So I, I was wondering, Mr. John Minas, um, when you said the different feelings you had, was a feeling of guilt there at all? Did you feel oh, any yeah. guilt about the situation? Yeah.
5: Talk, yeah. Talk, talk um, <clears throat> I I was I just wanted to say to the other point first about okay. I see a lot of adolescents at work too. I see all ages mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. like literally I the youngest I had to I was referred was ten. Um, wow. And since the pandemic, it's been worse because that age range and like adolescent development between middle school and high school is a time when interpersonal relationships are everything. They're the absolute world. And the isolation created an even deeper need for that. So Mm. now, like, I mean, we've all been to high school. We know how, what a cutthroat jungle high school is. It's even worse now because they're trying to, like, kind of make up for lost social time. Mm. So everything that happens is so important to teenagers now. So if it goes bad, it's literally the end of the world. It's devastating. And yeah, it's devastating. And that, mm. and I think that's why we're seeing so many more adolescents now, because it's just, it's not that kids are weaker these days. They're just...
4: No, I just want to know why, what guilt were you feeling and why?
5: Yeah, sorry, you have to tell me, because I will literally talk forever about oh, this. Oh,
4: nope, no problem. Um, that's what we
5: do here. We talk. I... I started doing, ment- I, st- I went to school for psych. And- psych? Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> and I was, I think, my third year. So, and I was, I went into psych because I was always good at reading people. I was always good at reading people. And people okay. always felt right. comfortable talking to me. So I was like, all right, I might mm-hmm. as well do this. Um, I'm good at it. And my own mother killing herself was like, you should have known. And mm-hmm. that has been with me forever. And people, and I wasn't, I wasn't a bad kid, but I was a taxing kid. You like, I required a lot of resources.
4: You should have known what, though, John? You should have known that it was coming, or you should have known she felt like she felt? Is that what you was feeling? Yeah. Hmm. hmm. So, how, and, how did you deal with it, though? How did you process this?
5: Uh, I mean, like Melara said, it's, it's not a. There's no finish line. Mm. It's just something you fight every day.
4: Wait, and guys, is that true? Is that true across the board? There's no finish line?
5: It doesn't go away. It doesn't sometimes go it, away. It, There's sometimes no... it's like, you know, like your computer has background programs. Right. right, they're, right. they're always running, but you're not always aware of them. Mm-hmm. The pro- those programs are always. I didn't know about running.
4: that until just now. And I'm very frightened. But go ahead.
5: <laughs> yeah. No, your computer's <laughs> always running stuff in the background you don't know about. So that's kind of like how I think of brains. There's all these Mm. like subroutines and programs that are running in the background that Mm -hmm. you may not consciously be aware of all the time, but they're always there until you have a bad day. And then it's like, Mm. you get those (laughs) pop-ups. Like, hey, remember this thing you messed up? And it's usually at 3 a.m. when you're trying to sleep and it's like, oh, remember how you failed everyone who ever loved you? And that, that's like how a lot of this stuff happens. It doesn't go away. It's just the, the, what I tell people is that you can minimize it, put it in the background, and go on with your life. But it's still going to be there. And if okay. you don't deal with it, it gets mm-hmm. worse. Yikes. Guys, so how do do a lot of therapy huh? to help minimize those programs?
4: Okay, so let me ask you this. How do you approach a person that you think? May be in the type of state of depression where they may want to do something to harm themselves. I mean, first of all, how do you recognize that type of a person? You know, especially if they're not coming to you directly for therapy sessions, but you know Mm -hmm. them, they're around where you live, there's someplace you know them. Could be a homeless person down the street from you that you feed. I don't know, but how do you know how to approach that? How do you approach that person and say, hey, is there some way? Do you think you need help? I can help I don't even know how you would do that. How, How do you?
5: Well, in, um, at work, it's psychology and and social work therapy is all about. It's like anything else, like any other kind of uh, health field. There's the science, there's the standardized methods, and then there's the person. Mm-hmm. If you're not a good, if you're not good at your job, all the instruments won't help. So, mm-hmm. like you, like you, we said we do the the questionnaire, the CSSR. But you have to interpret. It's like, have you thought about it? Have you had active thoughts? Do you have a plan? Do you have a method? Do you have access to that plan? Do you have supporting factors, mitigating factors? Do you have a social support system? Do you have food? Do you have money? Like, you have to ask all of that and you have to look them in the eye and see if they're telling you. And that's the part you can't teach you know cuz we're human so we can't teach all that stuff you have to be but able to But you look come to feel it after a while you I mean, you I get a feelings when you have enough experience your brain recognizes it and we call that our gut but it's just like seeing things so many times your mind's like uh and it just works off of like what you've seen so many times so yeah like your gut your feeling your vibes is Becomes a part of it after after enough time. You I, don't have um, that when you start, and that's why it's terrifying when you start. <laughs>
4: uh, I, have, I have a question uh, for both of you. Um, so, a person has committed has tried to commit suicide, and now <clears throat> they're on the other side of it, and they're trying to get through their lives. What is it that you can tell them that will remind them that they have value?
5: Me and
3: awesome so it's all about being able to show that person mm-hmm. that regardless of what defects you think you have
1: mm-hmm.
3: now i'm a believer in god so i'm gonna bring god into this one okay please regardless of we're not
4: paying defect- any attention to the heathen right, i'm psycho here i'm joking i'm sorry
3: <laughs> listen i spent some years there and that's why i can love on people because i understand those spaces mm-hmm. but For me, is if I can show people that God loved me enough Mm -hmm. to send His only Son to die for me when He knew I wasn't going to be perfect,
1: Mm. all those things
3: that I am putting myself prisoner for in my mind that I think are my flaws, that I think I did wrong, it's already been covered and paid for. So for me, I do work with a lot of people that's on the other side of suicide attempt. And what I do is I walk them through eight weeks of. Well, let me tell you that there's more things in life than your emotional and your mental well-being. Mm. It starts with your mental because your life is all about what you see in your mind's eye before you see it through your eyes' eyes. So I teach them, if I can show you that there is way more life than this one thing that you have holding you hostage, then it allows for them to see, okay, I have more to live. If I'm able to show you that there's parts of your personality that right. you just can't get rid of. Like, I'm a people pleaser. I know that. But I also know that there's other things that I can pull from to make me different. So even if I am trying to please people, I now know I can need that balance. So I teach individuals how to know their strengths, know that their journey is not going to look like somebody else's journey, allow for them to see like what you're looking at is literally a creation of the most high. And how in Psalms 139, it tells you before you even moved in your mother's womb, he knew every day of your life and he still loves you enough to put you here on this earth. So you have to find that thing, that moment of trauma, that moment that's keeping you hostage, that does not determine nor define where you're going because a broken crayon still colors. Like if, if yeah. I know that. So that's what I do with those people. I allow for them to see their worth. And I normalize for them their emotions. Sometimes people just need to tell you their story without judgment and allowing them to not be okay. Allow for them to go through the stages of grief and understanding that you don't just go through stages and you complete it. It's a yo-yo. You may go through acceptance one day and then the next day you in denial that something even happened. So it's being able to normalize for that person and being able to let them know your value is beyond you. It's not about self-confidence. It's about god If you can get that confidence in you, Godfidence. it do not matter mm. what happens after that. So that's what I Sweet. do with the people that I work with that are survivors of suicide attempt. And before I know it, they're out here living their best lives because they see, like, I actually have worth. I have value. And it's not attached to my material things. It's not attached to my status, who I know. But it's simply attached that when I actually take this breath, I'm still alive and I'm good. Mm,
4: yay. I just read today. Uh, think about the last breath you had. And right now someone else is taking their last breath. Mm-hmm. So quit complaining and enjoy every moment you have. John, um, do you have a similar approach for when someone's, got, someone's gotten to the other side? How you can help make their journey smoother?
5: Um, not similar. Okay. Well, what would your um, what would I your ter- approach be? I mean, my my job is mostly like identifying the problem, and then I send them to somebody else to fix it. Oh, they only own. Okay. I, okay, no, okay, sir. No, you you
4: have be- issues, sir. Now get out of here. No, I either sorry, refer
5: them to therapists or inpatient hospitals. But um, mm-hmm. when I when I see people who who do have it, who have been through attempts, and because this is what I do, I I The way I think of it is that you only have you, and your brain is a liar. For some of us, our brains are liars. They like your brain tells you you're fat. Nobody loves you, especially with with teenagers. Their teenagers their their minds tell them nobody loves you. Nobody will miss you when they're gone. All that stuff. And I say your brain is a liar. You're in control of your brain. Don't let your brain control you. And I highly and I often recommend cognitive behavioral therapy. Because it helps to battle um that that wrong thinking, those wrong thought, those wrong thoughts,
4: how much could weed help right here? um,
5: I have a bad opinion of of marijuana. I'd like
4: to hear your bad opinion, but I think that it heals everything um I think it calms you down, I think it gives you focus, and a lot of us need rest
5: so you can get a nap out of it.
4: but you say. You don't think weed is healthy for you?
5: Like I said, I work in the ER. And when I see a lot of, pe- a lot of kids in the, between 16 and 24 is mm-hmm. generally the ages when the more severe mental illnesses pop up. Right, And this is all anecdotal. I don't have any research to back this up, but I've seen so many kids where their parents are like, they were fine and then they smoked this stuff and now they're seeing things. And they're like and the parents are like, oh, they're just high, but they're like two- Wait a minute, three- who got the can kind of weed that you can smoke and you can see things? Well, nobody I'm sorry, I'm just joking. Go ahead.
4: I'm sorry. Go ahead.
5: Nobody knows what's in this stuff these days.
4: Mm. Okay, nobody well let's get away from be- that. Let's get to some real good weed that we know. Something that comes like from Snoop Doggy Dogs Farm. You know, he ain't gonna be no chemicals in now. that. Ain't gonna be none, no pesticides. His stuff is like it's gluten free. You know, his shit is like is good for your body and good for your soul. How much does that help you in your mental state?
3: I would say it's different for every person because okay. you have to understand that our brain is like a chemical makeup. And mm-hmm. there's some things that lay dormant. So we talk about epigenetics yes. a lot and we talk about trans- transgenerational trauma. So sometimes when you're, when you're experiencing trauma, it literally detaches what's called the vagus nerve. So that means my right and my left brain is no longer communicating. So my right brain is all about my emotions and my left brain is all about logic. So if you have a kid that has experienced chronic traumas, the thing that should be connected is no longer connected. So if you introduce something like marijuana or stimulant or any of those things, sometimes it can have an adverse reaction where for other people, it might actually help. So it really just depends on what your chemical makeup is. And as John was speaking, a lot of our adolescents, let's say adolescents, they don't have access to the Snoop Doggy dog or the dispensaries because they don't have the IDs. So what they're doing is they're taking whatever they can get their hands on, which is why there's such a big thing of kids utilizing, um, what's the things called? Uh, the, the vape. The, the vape. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So we have to be mindful that, yeah, for an adult, you may have access to the good stuff. But for a kid, I'm just going to use whatever my homeboy said I have. Right, he right, said right, it right. this. So we just want to be mindful when we're introducing ourselves to certain things, because if you do start having hallucinations and things like that, sometimes it's not schizophrenia. It could be your trauma is now coming out into this space and you don't know what it is. And then now that's going to serve as a heightened thing. So what I will say is number one, you want to make sure you do it when it's legal. Let's put it that way, right? So that's 21 and up. Before that, the reason why they don't want you to do it is because if your trauma has happened it literally it literally messes up your prefrontal cortex so if i introduce this marijuana to something that's already not developed it can impact the fact that that's not going to develop now so now i can't make those logical decisions and we're wondering why there's so wow. many adults that's depressed and those things it's because i'm introducing something into my body that i'm physically not ready and prepared for i'm going to get the high it's going to feel great and amazing But if my brain is already not firing correctly, it's going to impact that firing even more. So I think that's kind of what John is talking about.
5: I couldn't agree more. I I couldn't agree more. It's, it's, you don't, it's a, you're introducing too many X factors into an already unstable environment. And it's like she said, it could be, and the worst thing is there's no history to know. There's no history. So you don't know if it's schizophrenia, you don't know if it's just bad
1: you don't
5: Mm-mm. know if it's tr- if, unre- if it's triggering some trauma response, you don't know because you have no history. It's the first time it's happening.
4: The and- last time I smoked weed, I had, did have an adverse reaction, munchies, and let me tell you, I, it almost broke me. I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm and then I'm gonna break this up because I don't want this to get too heavy. I don't want it to get too deep. I <laughs> no. do want people out there to know though that there is help. I want people to know that there's a place you can go, a place you can call. Is it 988? What is it? Is it? Not, I think it's
3: 998. It's 9- 998 is the new crisis hotline.
4: Yeah, 998. I was
3: close. Yeah. I was you were close. close. You okay. were very close. Yeah. Um, so that is the, the new crisis hotline that people can call. Um, and it's very important to kind of just have that in your your back pocket. And what I'll tell mm-hmm. you is mm-hmm. that person cannot see you. And even when we're talking about resources and someone just being able to say, like, how do I know that I have a safe place or where do I go to find certain things? So what I, I typically tell people, and I break this up in sections. So the first section is for those who are in college or attend a university. Most universities have either a free um counseling center that mm-hmm. the student don't have to pay for anything. They don't have to give no insurance information. There's therapists right there on the college, and they can go to. You. But then there's also a new platform, um, that most of the schools now have, and the only thing you need is an actual like school address. Um, and it's called Timely Care. So if you have your school email address, is a twenty four seven free platform. Only thing you have to do is put your name in there. Of course, your address for purposes of anything happen, they can send somebody to you, mm-hmm. um, but you can chat up there. You can video, you can phone call. They even have free coaching. So if you want to lose weight, if you need something, so they have those resa- uh, resources for students that are a part of university. So you don't have to pay out of pocket for people nice. who don't have insurance. That's afraid somebody is going to push them away. Most states have what's called community services boards or like behavioral intervention programs because they are state funded. They cannot deny you at all. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have insurance and you're trying to figure out where do I go? You can go to these programs and you literally can type in whatever city you live in. The closest CSB is what they call them or like CSB. a behavioral CSB,
4: I'm activity. sorry. Uh-huh. Community it, Services
3: Board, CSB. CSB. Yep. Right,
4: continue, continue, go ahead.
3: And then once you um, go to their thing, most of them have what's called same day access. Mm-hmm. So you'll see whatever the days of the week they're open and you can literally just walk in, get a full complete workup and assessment and they will plug you into the resources that you need, help nice. you with insurance, help you with case management and therapy. If mm-hmm. you do have a therapist, There's a really, or do you do have insurance. There's a really dope website that's called Psychology Today. And you Mm -hmm. simply just put your zip code. You can literally filter as much as you want to to the point where you can put what type of therapist you want them to look like, Mm -hmm. their religious background, what issues you have, what insurance you have. And what it does is it gives you a list of local people that you can go to and they'll tell you if they're looking for someone or not. And if you don't want a therapist, then you want to get someone that's just your safe place. And with that, that's Malara Green. And I always give my number 757-609-0694. Say it, and I'm again. To say it help. again, say it again. 757-609-0694. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I help people plug you into wherever it is that you feel like you need. So even if you're not in Virginia and I can't work with you as a therapist or if you don't want a coach, I can find someone that I know and I can trust and say, "Hey, this person, this is what's going on." And I've even set in on people initial assessments and stuff just so that they feel comfortable. So, I am that therapist that will become your best friend and get on your nerves until you fire me.
4: I love that you're that. You're that for me. And I appreciate
5: that. Wow. I love love that you worked the plug into there seamlessly. That was very impressive.
4: I'm hoping you'll do the same. Go ahead, John. That was was great. Wait,
5: guys, I have a question I
4: almost missed here. I got to get this in. Do you think that you feel like people who commit suicide, do you think that that is a selfish act? And I want both your individual answers on that. And this is why I'm asking, because like, for instance, with a case like what recently we lost the gentleman in Twitch DJ Twitch, he leaves behind a wife and three kids, so I understand his life is hard. I mean, well, something that we don't know about it is troubling to him, and it's so troubling, he took himself out. But could one deduce that that's selfish? Well, his pain felt that he felt that his pain was greater than theirs. Now we're asking this question without knowing any facts, so we're just doing generalizations about this. Really, I'm not saying anything about that gentleman at all. I don't know him well enough to you know make any assertions or anything. All right, go ahead.
5: You, what do you What do you think? You I I'll go, okay. You I'll go, go first, John. Um, I since this happened to me, and mm-hmm. it was my mother, and mm-hmm. she had two sons. Right. This. Bothers me a lot um, because one of the thoughts is like, how can she leave? That's why I have severe, severe abandonment issues. And that's something I've had to go to. Th- it's kind of, it's ruined my life. Like I haven't had a good relationship because I'm constantly afraid that person's going to leave. And that's mm. because my mother left. It's like, if my mother can leave, why won't everybody else? So I've had to go to a lot of th- of therapy to work through that abandonment issue of like, how could you do that to us? So yes or no. So but yes
4: or no, or whether you think it's a selfish act,
5: go ahead. What I will say is that if it wasn't for a family and the people around them, a lot of people would probably have killed themselves sooner. They were probably holding out because of the family and friends. So I don't think it's mm. selfish because I don't think people understand how physically painful life can be. And you say like you, everybody's been through something, but like, mm-hmm. it's physical. It's like you're being in a fire. If you're in a burning room, it's like my, my favorite analogy is that you're in a burning room and in one direction there's fire and out the window is a 30, door, 30 story drop. So your options are to run into the fire or to jump out the window. Mm. And it's it feels like you're dying all the time, so it's not self <clears throat> it's not selfish because these people really don't feel like they have a choice.
4: you know in your conversation just now, I felt like you came full circle on that from thinking about it first, because of what you went through. I heard you feeling the selfishness about it but by the time you finish that conversation and thought about it more, you realize that it wasn't really selfish because if you're in that much pain, you probably can't think of other people's pain. You know, if your pain is so great, you know, uh, what, what what is your take on that, Malaira? And then we're going to wrap this up. I know we've gone long, supposed to be 30 minutes, but you can't talk about this in no 30 minutes and we only got two panelists. What if I had the nan I usually have? Just, I'm lying, we ain't no nan people. All right, go ahead. what's your thought on that, Malaira?
3: So I would say that the survivors is going to always think that it's selfish Mm. only because now they're missing a part of them that kept them going. So Mm. I want to make sure that I caveat that. And I also want to say to my family, yesterday was actually the 10 year anniversary for one of my cousins that committed suicide. Um, So Mm. all of the survivors are going to feel this sense of you abandoned me. Were you thinking about me? Mm. Now, for the person who commit it, it's not selfish because the intent is not done with anybody else in mind. And just as John was speaking, when we're creating what's called a safety plan, there's this one question at the bottom that says, what's one thing that's going to keep you here? Most people say family. So if they didn't have these people who are now feeling like they're being selfish, they, wa- they probably would have been said, "Chuck the deuces, I'm done. So it's not about it being selfish or selfless. What it's really about is what can we do to help people not get to the point where suicide is your only exit? I think mm. that right there is the greatest question that's going to help because we have all these trainings. We have all these stats and statistics that we can pull out, but people are still doing it. There's 130 people every single day that's successful at committing suicide. So the question that we have to ask ourselves is, what changes can we make as a society, as a nation, as a community, and as a family that can make suicide no longer an option? The same Mm -hmm. way we ask, how can we get rid of divorce as an option when people get married? We got to start asking the same question about suicide. Who said get rid of divorce? Who said
4: nobody said nothing about getting rid of no divorce? Who said that? I'm sorry. Go
3: ahead. I had to, I'm throwing it in because most people will talk about that. Like we talk (laughs) about relationships and all that, but we won't talk about relationship with self. Like we'll talk about Mm. how to save, families, how to save marriages, how to save friendships, but we don't talk about how to save that inner relationship with yourself that gets you to the point of wanting to commit suicide. So that's what I think we need to be asking. What can we do as a whole so that suicide is not even an option in people's brains? How can we meet those needs? How can we make sure that people know that they're valuable and loved? And that's the mission that I hope that all of us end up coming on once people listen to this, because that, that is the thing that we need to figure out to lower the rate of suicidality around the world.
4: Mr. John minus, give us my, your final thoughts on this topic and then tell people how they can find you. And I didn't mean it when I called you a heathen, but you know what
5: you are. No, cr- I'm, I'm just joking.
4: I'm joking. Go ahead. I know what I am.
5: <laughs> That's the insight she's talking about. That's right. Um, <laughs> But but like I say, it's when it when it comes to this topic, it's it's about fighting yourself, and it's and what I tell people is that you're not you're not alone,
1: because
5: mm-hmm. things may seem hopeless, and I'm not going to argue with people about whether things are hopeless or not, because that's a value judgment, and you can't tell somebody something's not hopeless. You can't tell them that. Mm-hmm. because that's their perception you can't argue with your I can't tell you your feeling is wrong but connections are what keep people around so if you for from my point of view when my professional point of view too when people are suffering it's I encourage them to get connections to other people because I think that is so important and what does religion provide? Connections, community, a feeling that you're part of something bigger. Mm-hmm. That's, that's why I say, like for me, like me, my thing with religion, I recognize religion is very important to people. It's very important okay. to society. Humans need religion. Um so but whatever not, your community but not is, you.
4: hmm? but not you. I'm different. Oh, yes, you are. Tell people how they can find you, sir.
5: We got to wrap uh, it up. I am. I I have a. All right, you guys are gonna laugh. I have a Facebook fan page called John Alter Negro Minus. That was from my alter
4: house. alter Negro.
5: Yeah, kind of like alter, <laughs> kind of like alter ego, but I'm black. So right, um, okay. And my my Instagram is exit underscore eleven, all spelled out.
4: Exit um, underscore eleven.
5: Yeah. And when it comes to professionally, you don't want to see me. Because if you if you're if you're coming to me, something's gone really wrong. <laughs> so I hope I don't see any of you at my job. And I hope
4: that you do if they need you. I don't want them to not have a place to go because the folks still gonna be out there needing you. And I want there. them to fan you, brother, because I know that you'll give them the clarity to get them where they need to go, brother.
5: I really do my best. Cause I thank know you, how they Jamie. feel. I've been where I've been there. I, like I said, I'm not only, I'm only, not only a, a member, but I'm a client, whatever those commercials used to say. You're not just a client.
4: You're the president. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. King, King minus. I appreciate you. Malira. Lovely Malira Green. Thank you, dear heart. Tell us how we can find you and, and leave us with the closing word.
3: Absolutely. Um, You can find me at maliratransforms.com. Um, on Instagram, I'm also Malara Transforms, and I'm going to give that number one more time. Go on, give it. Yeah, 757-609-0694. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I want to leave you with is just because there are parts of you that feel to be broken does not take away the purpose that's still in your your body every time you breathe in and you breathe out, that is your creator telling you that he has something else for you to do. Whether Mm -hmm. that's putting one more smile on somebody's face, whether that's completing one task, Mm -hmm. but you are viable, you are necessary, and you are enough. And if you don't believe it, listen, if you just type my name in on YouTube, you will see that I have a story, but I have not let it stop me. I have not let it take away my purpose. So I just hope Mm -hmm. that with this conversation, I could be an example of, you can have some stuff with you, but you can still make a difference and you still have value and you still have worth.
4: Oh, wow. Thank you. And you know, um, I had a friend on the, on the morning show. We do a morning show. Y'all five days a week, the Mike Kyle morning show. That's 7 a.m. Pacific time. And I was blessed to have the guest on, um, Jaguar, right. But I went to research her first and, uh, one lady who's battling with her, another podcaster, says she a crackhead, you know. And, uh, and I sat and I talked to the crackhead today, and she was awesome, and she was wonderful. And I'm here to say, I'm crackhead too. And I did crack for 23 years, and I've turned that around. So I am here as living proof that no matter how bad your life is, I don't care what you've been through, what stuff that happened to you, you can turn it around. Do we ever get totally clear of it? Of the pain of a thing, maybe and maybe not. You know, I I, I think some things we can. and It also depends on the individual. But understand, as we're saying here over and over again, you have value. No matter who you are, you have worth. And don't let other people tell you you don't. And don't talk yourself into believing it. The truth is God created you and he didn't create you with some junk. He didn't say, look, let me take a pair of drawers and some socks and a chewed up apple and make some niggas. No, he created you with designer jeans. G-E-N-E-S. You're already the best of the best, exactly as you are. You ain't got to apologize for nothing. All you have to do is get back to the initial truth, learning to love yourself and you'll be okay. But if you find yourself up against a wall, you can't figure it out. You know at least these two folks, you can reach out to them and you can reach out to me. I might not be able to give you the help, but I guarantee you I can find the person who can, who can give you the help. And you can always email me directly, ComicKing123 at AOL.com. Com. I still don't understand how they had a show called The Kings of Comedy without the King. Anyway, comic king123 at AOL.com. Uh, I, I ask you guys out there if you have time in the mornings. You want to get your day started off with a nice, a nice jolt of love, positivity, joy, and prayer. Catch my morning show. It's hilarious. That's five days a week, and we're doing Michael talks to everybody. I'm doing a new show every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for 50 weeks. Follow us and see the fascinating conversation, the great people we get to hang out with. Uh, If you love this show, please tell everybody. If you didn't, Shut the fuck up. Them people don't need to know. Them ain't your friends. So anyway, uh I appreciate <laughs> y'all gonna laugh out loud. It's okay. So they don't think I'm the only one think I'm funny. I think I'm hilarious. <laughs> I'll be in here rolling, but the guests be holding their mouth. They don't want people out there to know they laugh. That shit funny. Okay. Anyway, life has many turns. It could be joyous or it could be scary. It could be harrowing or it could be fun. We generally have the power to turn it the way we want it to be because that power is in your hand and all the true power is within you and everything you need is right there. You know, so please look deep into yourself. Find the you you want to be and don't let anybody challenge you or stop you. Remember, life is a garden if you dig it and God digs you. And guess what? I do, too. So come back and talk to us again. Michael talks to everybody. I'm going to be talking to your mama. I don't know. Tell her to call me. Michael talked to everybody every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, new shows here at iHeart. And I am so grateful to John Minus and the lovely Malira Green. Thank y'all. Have a wonderful day. God bless y'all. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I had a good time today. I hope y'all did too, man. Thank y'all for checking us out here at Michael Talks to Everybody. Hey, you can follow me, man. I'm easy to follow. I'm on Instagram just under at Michael Kaya. I'm on TikTok. That's Michael Kaya135. I have a very sexy webpage called TheRealMichaelKaya.com. You know, you go over there, you can find out about my merchandise and what I'm doing and where all my shows are. Everything is right there. Or, if you really love me, you can go to my Cash App. That's dollar sign Michael Kaya's money. I'm playing with y'all, but I accept Green Stamp, Food Stamp, Canadian money. I'll take your bus transfer if you got some time left on it and my morning show. Oh my goodness, the Michael Kaya morning show. That's 7 a.m. Pacific time, yo. Five days a week. This has been a Raylock Group production. I'll see y'all later. <laughs>